Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to An Athlete's Journey. I'm your host, Travis Reed. Today we have a special guest, a friend of mine who played professional baseball. We know we're going to keep switching it up over here. We're going to have football, baseball, basketball, we're going to have all the sports in. I appreciate him coming on. I was on his show. He's a good, good guy. Uh, I hope to keep continuing to talk to him throughout, you know, the rest of our careers. Hopefully they're both long (laughs) in this field. Uh, Like I said, I really appreciate him coming on. Uh, I want you to introduce yourself to the world. What's going on? Uh, This is Brett Lauren, uh, former minor league baseball player, also podcaster. So uh, happy to be here. I did have Travis on my show. My show is called Two Tall Sports Podcast. Cause I'm six, seven. So Travis <laughs> understands my life as a tall person. So happy to have, happy to be on with you, man. No, like I said, we greatly appreciate it. I greatly appreciate you coming on here with the, you know, with, with for the show. And the, like I said, it's just, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm happy that you, you know, you actually came on. Cause I was like, man, I want to get Brett on because like, I want to get his perspective. You know, he likes, he loves sports. He loves basketball. So I got to get him on the show. Um, yeah. You know, but the fact that he played baseball is a great, like, you know, segment that I ain't never had on the show before. He's the first, uh, you know, first baseball player on the show. So definitely had to bring you on, Brett. Cool, I man. Say, yeah, I that's it. awesome. <laughs> well, let's get right into it, Brett. How, how'd your baseball journey start? Yeah, I mean, I played uh, pr- baseball and basketball my whole life, pretty much. So, you know, young, you know, young kid like everybody else playing T-ball, Little League, all that stuff. Um, but I played both sports all the way through high school. So I didn't really decide on baseball until pretty much the end of my senior year just um I wasn't crazily recruited for either one um but I just ended up choosing baseball because I thought it was a better career path but in reality like I was telling you I I wanted to play basketball that's like my true passion but I had to kind of make a business decision early on in life so (laughs) I went with baseball well yeah you pretty much you just answered where you're interested in playing yeah. uh, sports so basketball was your true love but uh, you, you decided to go to baseball correct yeah I, you know what I love basketball like that I would say I'm a, I'm a hooper at heart like I, I love the game I'm a student of the game I I just I don't know like even growing up my dad had me watch a lot of old school basketball games or even like when ESPN classic used to have games on we would watch that or you know I I know you went to UCLA but I my dad was a UCLA fan growing up he's from Long Beach so I kind of just grew up with UCLA in the family and I don't know they had some great teams over the years and I just enjoyed I my I wanted to go to UCLA to play basketball that was like my childhood dream and then I realized like oh well it's a little tougher to get there now <laughs> when you become a senior so um but yeah it's I I always liked you know big Laker fan I always liked watching basketball Kobe was my guy growing up so it was kind of like Kobe and Ken Griffey Jr. those are my two guys that were like epitomized my childhood of who do I follow in sports it was those two dudes so um but yeah that's kind of who I watched growing up no no I respect I respect yeah. that I mean like I say God rest the guy rest Kobe um and Ken Griffey like he was like the Kobe of baseball Dude, he made excited. baseball cool he was like the Tiger Woods of baseball right and he, he really was and he couldn't just hit he was a, an incredible gold glove outfielder too like he just he, he was like the first one that commercialized, like putting your hat on backwards, like that became cool now. And he had those sick shoes and he just like, everything he did was cool. So um, I really liked watching Griffey play. Oh, definitely, man. Like yeah. I remember, I remember like, you know, that was the home run derby was like, I used to watch that all the time. And he was always the guy with the hat backwards, knocking him out, home, yeah. knocking him out the port. Oh my God, 400 feet. I'm like, you yes. doing this? Like, it seems like you're just taking a swing. Yes, they had that home run derby in Camden Yards in Baltimore, and there's that warehouse in right field, and he was hitting them off the warehouse or like (laughs) just crazy stuff. And that was I just yeah, that was and that was like the golden era of baseball too, like Mm -hmm. steroids or not. That was like when baseball was awesome. So we're lucky to grow up in that era. No, no, dude. Uh, I think you know when the lockout happened for baseball so many years ago. Hopefully, it's a lockout now. Let's hope that it it doesn't go into the season next year, but. I, you know, to me, that home run stuff with Sammy Sosa, Mark Aguirre, King Griffey, 
uh, Barry Bonds. It saved baseball. Yeah. They got it. It got people interested again. Yeah, it might have been with uh, a little bit extra help, but I'm like, it does, it's, I feel like steroids. It gives you an extra boost, but like to hit a baseball is hard anyway. Yeah, you know. So I don't think like steroids. And then, like I said, this is my opinion. I, yeah, all sure. You base, all baseball fans, please do got. I'll well, give you my opinion be. after. Go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> like, like it's it's still hard. Even if you take, even if you're stronger, it's still hard to hit a home run baseball. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it might be easier for a professional, but it, I don't know. I just feel like it's it's still hard. So I, yes. I just I would love to see some of those guys get in. And a lot of people would argue Barry Bonds is the best player of all time, steroids or not. Like a lot of people would say that. And it's hard to argue. I mean, I put Griffey close, you know, up there. But, you know, Bonds had a number of MVPs and he was good before he did steroids, too. Um, the argument that for it is that other people were doing it. They just weren't as good, you know, like pitchers were doing it too. And hitters were doing it. So, you <laughs> so, know, it's not just, and just bonds was the best of all of them at doing that. You know, he, he was amazing. So I think maybe he'll get in the hall of fame at some point. I think as the generations, the old purists yeah. go out yeah. originally though, I am against it because as a former baseball player that didn't use steroids, I don't want to reward people for cheating, you know? So it's like, it's hard to say who deserves what, but um, it, I don't know. I just, I love the game, but uh, it's just hard to, to say who deserves to be in and who doesn't. No, I, I, look, I'm, I'm glad I'm not a voter. Yeah. Uh, so that's just, that is a straight hard clause to, uh, you know, like to figure out. And I don't know, like, I feel like Barry Bonds and, you know, Roger Clemens, especially those two and Alex Rodriguez, those three for sure deserve to get in. But I don't know if they are going to get in uh, just because yeah. of the situation. I don't know. Like, you know, they, they, it's not enough old, old, you know, purists going out right. for the newest to come in for them to get voted in before the time a lot. Right. The baseball so, writers are really tough, too. Yes. Like, yeah, there no. are some guys that were no matter what you do on the field, if you got caught using steroids, you are not getting in the Hall of Fame or on their ballot. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're the gatekeepers of the Hall of Fame. So. Well, no, like if you notice, and this is, you know, this is me coming as a basketball fan. Yeah. Um, I think baseball is by far not even close to like, like the hardest Hall of Fame to get into. Yeah. So if you're a Hall of Famer, you are a real Hall of Famer. I think with basketball, it's a little diluted. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's a more worldly game. Right. Um, so like, you know, you have referees getting in, which, you know. And like or like Yao Ming getting in because he's like yeah. an ambassador. Yeah, know, yeah. Like I mean, because to me, Yao Ming played seven years and he, he was, was hurt, hurt a lot. A lot of it. You yeah. know, and don't get me wrong. I feel like uh, Tracy uh, McGrady has had a great seven years. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I you know, like I said, he's been one of the, like he's top players, one of the top players in the league. But I just feel like to be in a Hall of Fame, it's it's just another level. You know, Deion Sanders said it. You know, even with football, is it the Hall of Fame or is the Hall of Very Good? You know, there's just a difference between a great player or a good player and then a Hall of Fame player. You right. know, it's just a difference. Like, hey, for example, uh, Dwight Howard probably would be in the Hall of Fame. I think he should be. I know a lot of people don't like Dwight and he has his weird antics on the court and all that stuff. However, before he came to the, like, to, before he even got to the Lakers, when he was at the Magic, yeah. he had a hell of a run. Defensive player of the years, all this stuff. He's got way better. They had that top 75 list. Yeah. He's no. got way more numbers than snubbed. Andy Davis does at this snubbed. moment. He got you know? snubbed. He got snubbed. He's the biggest snub of all. Yeah. No, he's, he, you know, like he should be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Or I would put him in a, over the, in the Hall of Fame over Yao Ming. Just, you know, yeah. his career is better. And he got uh, a team to a championship, at least, you know, at least, or he, to a finals. To a final. Yeah. He, you know, he beat LeBron, peak LeBron. Yeah. Um, he beat the Boston Celtics. I mean, to me, you know, in his first eight years, he was just as dominant as Patrick Ewing was in the Knicks, you know, yeah. and that's how I kind of compare the two, sure. uh, you know, two careers. Like his first eight years, he was Patrick Ewing. And now Patrick Ewing came up with a lot more pub. And Patrick Ewing had a, maybe a longer career, and Dwight Howard had injuries and just everything that happened with the Lakers, you know, right. we'll get into that. But like, you know, I think uh, people see Dwight these last eight years, but forget his first eight. You know? Right. You know. So. Yeah. yeah. You know. Anyway, let's get back to your journey. We'll sure. go off the tangent. <laughs> I know we probably could. <laughs> you know. So, did you play like AAU basketball or AAU baseball? Going I played up a just... little bit. I played more travel baseball, like club okay. ball for baseball, but I didn't. I did a little bit of like 
you know, tournaments for basketball, but not AAU. I never fully committed to year-round basketball just because I always had one or the other was in season. So I was mm-hmm. always doing one or the other. Um, I played a lot more travel baseball, but even then, like, I don't know. I didn't want to play a year-round baseball either, to be honest. I'm happy I had basketball. Like, it's I, it's too much throwing. It's And you see the kids now that are, like, 12 years old playing 100-something games a year in travel ball. That's why they're getting injured in high school. Like nobody was getting hurt in high school when we were in high school. Yeah, like yeah. now these kids are already like having Tommy John surgery in high school. It's like, come on, dude, just way overuse and you, they get burnout. So um, baseball is just a hard sport to be obsessed with all the time. You know, it's just a, it's a difficult sport. It's a sport built on failure, you know, like mm-hmm. it's, you fail a lot. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so anyway. No, no, a hundred percent on that. I think, yeah. um, you know, basketball is, <clears throat> excuse me, the same thing. Uh, if you notice now, a lot more younger guys are getting hurt. Yeah. A lot. Your Zions, you know, like other guys are tearing their ACLs and like in high school. Yeah. Like, how do you tear your ACL in high school? You know? Um, it's because they're playing how many games a week, every week for all these different teams. And it's just like, it doesn't end. No. And, and you know, the crazy thing is like, they're like professionals because like when I, when I played AAU, uh, there was a couple big tournaments um, a year. Now you played a lot of games, but you was mostly local, right? Uh, you know, like don't get me wrong, you did. I, I, I played in San Antonio. I went to, you know, Washington, Yakima, Washington for the Nationals, things like that. Um, and you know, playing AU in high school, you know, I, I played, you know, for my high school team, and also played in tournaments and things like that with my AU team, but like. I wasn't necessarily flying out somewhere every single weekend. I wasn't flying from Florida to Texas to Utah to wherever every weekend for a tournament. Right. My mom and dad would have never allowed it. You know, even if they, even if they saw I was trying to get to college, they'd be like, nah, you ain't going there. Nah, 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 nah. it's too much travel. You already went twice. And that's just how they were. You know, like I think for me, your, you know, as your body needs a break, we're not specialists. You know, when you're grown, you can you have a nutritionist, you have the right things you, you're doing. That's all your thing is, is basketball. When you're right. a teenager, um, it's just different. You know, your body's still growing. It's just, you're not, you're not ready for the strenuousness of the sport, baseball exactly. or basketball. So, yeah. You know, and that's, I was like, that's a, you know, a big thing for me. So you you uh you don't play a lot of uh you know like travel ball you know basketball and in 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 baseball. Uh, what well first what's your what was your high school? What high school did I go to? Yes, I went to Dana Hills High School, so it's nice. in Orange County. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. And what was your most memorable moment in high school basketball? And baseball? Uh, that's a good question. I did have first game senior year. Um, I did have a triple double with. 10 blocks as the third category. So points, rebounds, and blocks. So I had like mm. 14, 12, and 10, something like that. So that mm-hmm. was cool. So I was like, okay, senior year, I, I've arrived a little bit, which is good. Because <laughs> junior year, like I was, I didn't like fill out into my body until senior year. I was a much better player senior year. And so I just was way more comfortable and I was just a better player that year. So I was mm-hmm. starting to like, okay, now we're coming into our own here. Um, and we had, we had a really tough league, too. We had schools like Mission Viejo, El Toro was good, Capo Valley was really good. Um, so we had a tough, it was a South Coast league. So we had a, a lot of D1 players. Um, actually, Michael Roll played at, uh, at Aliso Viejo High School, not in our league, but we played against him, too. He's a UCLA guy. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And he's still playing overseas, which is crazy. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. long career, super yeah. long career. Uh, so yeah, we had a good league. Um, but in, as far as like offers, like I had, I thought about, I had a possible offer to go to UC San Diego. So division two, but my SAT was not 1300 at the time, which is like pretty, pretty high. So I just was like, you know what? I'd rather go play D one baseball than play D two basketball for four years and probably be done. So I, I really had the vision of, I got a chance to possibly definitely play college, but possibly play pro baseball. So I was like, I'm just going to go for that. So mm-hmm. that's why I ended up doing Okay. Okay. So what, you know, as far as, you know, colleges, you, what school did you go to for college? So I ended up going as like a recruited walk-on to university of Arizona, U of A for baseball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the school, you know, I toured it once before and I was just like, this is where I want to be. Um, and so I didn't pitch very much there though. So I was a pitcher and I redshirted my first year. So I didn't play at all. And mm-hmm. I threw nine total innings my second year. So I'm going to be a redshirt sophomore with 
no one even knows who I am right now, you know? So I would, I made the tough call. Like I said, I loved going there and like, it was a great school to go. It was a lot of fun. And you know, it was a lot of parties, all that stuff. It was cool. <laughs> um, but I, again, had to make a business decision. Like if I'm going to get drafted, I need to play. Like I need exposure. I need scouts to see me. So I chose mm-hmm. to go to one of your favorite schools, Long Beach state, mm-hmm. because I need an opportunity to play. Now also total gamble, by the way, there you go. This is your dream. Yeah. <laughs> total gamble too. I had no, they didn't promise me anything coming in. I didn't know what my role was going to be. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I'm going to work hard this year. My goal is to get drafted and mm-hmm. I'm going to see where the chips fall kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. But that was the best decision I made. Ended up going to Long Beach. It was great. Uh, it was the right fit for me. Good group of guys too. And um, I got to pitch a lot. And that's that's how I got scouted. So it was good. No, no. Like I said, we talked about it, you know, before we started the show about transferring. And like, um, I was really struggling because like you said, it was my dream school. And I was really struggling. Like, am I going to leave? Maybe I should just stay, you know, and just kind of like maybe at one point I was like, maybe I should just stay and just go to school. So I could, you know, even get my degree. Um, but that would have been the easy thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. But my, you know, cause my, you know, Lavin coach Lavin said, like, if you stayed, you can still get your degree. And so for me, I, you know, I remember I went home for like a week, like when my dad was spring break. And so we just, I didn't do nothing like that a whole week, but just talk to my dad about transferring the pros and cons of it. And by the end of the week, we had made a decision. You know, or I made a decision like I want to still play, you know, because yeah. I was like, I feel like I have a lot left to play for. So he was like, good. If you still want to play, then you know what you got to do. And so the next week I I asked Lavin, you know, to come into his office. And that was like the most nerve wracking experience. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So I didn't even look at him. I was just looking down. <laughs> like, you know, Yo, coach, you know. You know yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I was like, coach, you know, you know, I'm just, you know, I, I, I want to just go do my own thing. You know, and he was like, but Travis, you can, you can play here, man. You're a great player. Look, that's all you got to do is this, 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 you know, and you'll be playing, you know, this, this. And I was like, nah, coach, I think I just need to find my own way. You know, like I, I still didn't look at him, you know, because I was kind of crying, kind of <laughs> sad at the same time, you know, like. I just want my, you know, just like my release, you know, because I'm a transfer, you know. Just didn't know. I didn't know how to speak. I didn't know how to speak. Sure. You know, like super hard. Cry, everything. He gave me a hug, everything, you know. And I cried, not him, you know. Sure, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, I know, but that. He, tough you know, decision, like, man. No, no, no. It was insane. So I, I understand where you're coming from. So that was like, yeah. Yeah, and it's similar situation. The coach like wasn't begging me to stay, but he's like, you know, if you don't find anything, you can come back. And I was like, okay, well, I don't want to because I'm not even on scholarship. <laughs> I'm not even on scholarship. Okay. I'm not one of your guys. And I think that's a message if people are listening or if they have kids that are going to play eventually, you know, high school, college sports. It's okay to transfer somewhere where you're going to get seen and play. Like even if you don't get drafted and go pro, you went to college if you're an athlete to play sports in college. And if you're just going to sit on the bench forever, like that, that is not a college athlete experience to me. So um, at minimum, go somewhere where you can play. So that's kind of what I, what my thinking was there. And it was the right choice. Well, no, definitely. Like there's, you know, you know, like if you, if you feel like you just want to stay at the school for the connections of it for sure. after, then I, I understand that completely. Uh, and that's your journey. Um, you know, for myself, I felt like I could still play and probably same thing. You felt the same yeah. way. Probably, you know, like I, I have, I have, I know I can play. So for me, I was like, look, I'm gonna go play. And then if they, they find me, they find me, you know? And so that's pretty much what happened um, for myself. Yeah. But what, uh, back to the questions. Um, What would you say like the hardest thing was like the transition was from high school to college? Uh, everybody's good all of a sudden, you know, like <laughs> everybody's the best player in their high school team. Mm-hmm. So you can no longer get away with stuff. And that happened at every level of that. I went up in baseball, you know, it was just like high school to college, college to the, you know, minor leagues to the top of the minor, you know, all that stuff to big league spring training. Everybody is as good as you are, if not better. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you have to really mentally improve your game too. You have to be good upstairs because, you can easily get humbled when you start playing against talent that's similar to you. So um, it, luckily for me, I never really felt overmatched until I got to like the middle of my minor league career for one year. Mm-hmm. I had one my, I would say my one bad year I had in the minors. But as far as when I got to college, that's why I wanted to transfer because I still knew I could play. 
It's not yeah. like I was like, wow, I do not belong in this level with these kids. No, <laughs> I, I felt like I did belong. I just wasn't getting the shot. So, um, and it happens too. Some guys, you know, they play in a small town around the country. They're not playing any competition and you get to a big time college and, oh, you know, everyone's as good as me. So I think that's probably the biggest difference is no. realizing. Show shot. Show yeah, shot. Yeah. There's like, wow, yeah. there's a lot of good players here. No, no, definitely. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, when I went to college, it was like I was going against a pro and Jared Henderson every day in practice, and he would kill me a lot, you know? So he, he was And that sick. can, when you're young, that can get pretty discouraging too. Like <laughs> yeah, if you're a yeah. freshman playing against a junior or senior in college, who's they, they're mature, they get it, they know how to play, they know all the little tricks already and stuff like that. And you're, it, even though you are good, mentally that can kind of like hurt a little bit. Oh, no, no. It was, it, it was not a, it was a little bit of ego bruise. Yeah. You know, because like, I knew I felt that he was the best forward in the country, but like still, I was like, dang, you know, like he can't kill me this much, you know, <laughs> like I should be able to stop him sometimes. Right. You know, and in the beginning it was, he was killing me, but towards the end of the season, it got, you know, it got a little bit better. Yeah. Um, he was killing me a lot less, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's so, good. Yeah. Yeah. No. So what would you say your greatest triumph uh, was in, in college? My greatest triumph, I would say even the just focusing on the year at Long Beach that I had, because I was only mm -hmm. there for one year, mm -hmm. I went from like a middle reliever, which basically, you know, the guys that kind of the bridge guy from the starter to the closers or the, you know, late inning guys, I was, ba I had no role basically to start the season. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the year, I was starting a playoff game against Cal and we won that game, which is awesome in the regional that we hosted in the college, uh, not college world series, but the regional playoffs to get to the college world, world series. World. So yeah. I became, I was one of the like best starters by the end of the year. So a lot can happen in a, in one season. I think that was kind of a cool year for me. Cause I went from unknown to now I'm going to get drafted pretty high because I was able to show what I could do. So I would say, you know, for going from nobody to somebody, no, that's a big yeah. thing, you know. Like you said, yeah. you realize that I can play at this level. Yes, definitely. No, that's, I feel like it was like big. proving myself right. You know, it was just like I, I, yes, I can do this. Like, just someone's got to give me a chance. So, agreed. No, yeah. agreed. What was the biggest lesson you learned in college? Biggest lesson. Um, that's a good question. Um, that's. Uh, <laughs> I got to think about that. Stumped them, I, folks. Stumped yeah, you, them. No, you did. Yeah. I would say the biggest lesson, I mean, go, I hate to go back to the transfer thing, but like, just because, okay, it's this, just because you pick a school doesn't mean that's the right place for you and you can have success elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that I think is probably the biggest lesson. Like if you believe in yourself and you believe in, in your ability, it doesn't mean the first place going there, that doesn't mean you can't play. It just means you need to find the right opportunity. So I'd say, if you believe in yourself, go somewhere where you can play. That would be my biggest lesson. Okay. Okay. All right. So it took me an extra second. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. You know. Um, so you after Long Beach State, you have a, yeah. you know, you know, finish out strong with your college career. Yeah. What happens next? You know, how's the draft process, you know, in, in, in your journey? Yeah. So I was projected. I like it felt like every start leading up to the draft, it was like, okay, I might have jumped another round here, might have jumped another round. And there's right, a lot of right. noise, a lot of scouts are calling all. I mean, we had seven guys go in the first five rounds of the baseball draft, which is pretty like that's those are high picks. There was used to be 50 rounds in the draft. So we had a bunch of our, we were a loaded team that year, too. So we had a lot of attention on us um and when especially when we played like beating cal state fullerton that was the big rival so yeah, no, no, them yeah to yeah. win the big west that year it was like there was a lot of buzz um and i was projected like four to fourth round to seventh round somewhere in there and so the day of the draft was just like you know i had people calling me leaving voicemails like hey will you sign for this will you sign for this if we take you here will you sign for this and so it was just it was a lot of chaos and okay yeah, um okay. so the first four rounds go by and i'm like I'm not getting drafted today, dude. It's just not going to happen. But <laughs> so I actually leave my house. I drive around because I couldn't take it anymore. No, and I, I come I, I, back, and then the fifth round comes around. My family's watching the draft tracker on the computer, mm -hmm. and I see my name pop up. I was like, no way. And then they announce it. They're like, oh, Brett Lauren drafted fifth round by the Seattle Mariners. I was like, oh my god, okay. So like that was a really cool moment to to finally get drafted. Like years, and I'm just thinking about all the years before that. It all like flashed all the lessons my parents took me to all the games they took me to like just 
all kinds of stuff. It was a, it was a cool moment to get drafted finally. No, I imagine, man. Yeah. Like, you know, I was, I think I told you already on your show, like I was supposed to get drafted like 50, in between 55, 58, something like that second round. Yeah. Um, you know, and I was like, uh, 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 and then they drafted somebody I, I played against. And then I was like, you know, and then I thought, okay, well, you know, I don't want to be a school teacher. I don't want to go to, you know, I don't want to do that. So, okay, what's the next step? And my boy was like, just go overseas. Bing. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that's how kind of how, you know, like the overseas came in my concept. Like, oh, okay, you know, I'll go overseas. Yeah. You got to go where you, where you can play. So, yep. 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 So, okay. So how many, um, you know, let's just start off your, you know, your career with, uh, you say in, the minors. in the minors. Yeah. Did you start off at single A? So, yeah, there's actually like six or seven levels. They've reduced it now, but it used to be like rookie ball. Then you go short season, low A, high A, double A, triple A, big league. So you have to climb. That's why minor league baseball is so tough. There's so many levels to get through to get to the big leagues versus basketball. It's either overseas or G League, and then you're up there. So um, it's yeah. just a lot to get through. <laughs> um, so I started in what's called short season, which is a lot of the college and high school draft picks. You know, that was the first time I'd ever played with Latin players from like Venezuela, Puerto Rico, okay. you know, um, where else? Dominican Republic. That was the first time I had played with guys from Central America, basically, you know, mm -hmm. or, you know, mm -hmm. it's just, it's different. Um, so it was, it was all new, right? Like I, I lived on my own before in college, but this was like I, a whole different experience. So, um, but it, it was good. Like I, I did well early on in my career and I, I was like, okay, like I can definitely hang at this level. Mm -hmm. um, but you got, you learn, you have to learn how to pitch differently when you get to the minors too. So a lot of college, just FYI, like you, you, since they're using aluminum bats, you don't really throw inside that much, right? You'd really, it's hard to, cause they can, it's, you know, guys hit like it, hit it's gone. turn on it. Yeah. So you, you, you learn to pitch away a lot, away, away, away. And then when you get into the minor leagues, they're using wood bats and they break. So you have to learn how to pitch inside, like with conviction and get guys out inside because they're, you know, like I said, each level, the guys get better. So they're just going to sit out there and just hit that the other way when you're throwing it on the outer half. But when you get to the minors, you have to learn how to be comfortable throwing inside to dudes. So it's a whole another, just the more levels of pitching you learn when you get to the minors. So it was, I mean, overall, you know, I could go off on how tough minor league baseball is and the lifestyle and all that stuff. That part sucked. The bus trips, all that sucked, but um, it was a great experience though. <laughs> okay. No, I, I, you know what? I only can imagine uh, with the, with, well, actually I know, you know, the bus trips and like that. Cause in Europe, uh, unless you're on the top, top tier teams and even right. those teams, they still take, you know, we take nice buses though. Like they're sure. chartered, they chartered buses. There's only one country I've been to Romania that had us on like, a half a school bus, right? You know, uh, that kind of bus where you had to squeeze us in. Um, but yeah. most buses are luxury, you know, in okay. Europe, but like, yeah, yeah. but I, I was, I was going to ask you about the minor league kind of thing. Like, how was that? Like you, you going double header Monday, double header Tuesday, triple, you know, like this is how, how it is. Yeah. Some of it's like that. It's, it's just like, there's, you barely get any days off. So there's a game almost every day during the season and you only get paid from April when the season starts right after spring training till the end of the season, which is like mid September. Okay. In the off season, you don't get paid anything. So you got guys that are professional baseball players making like less than minimum wage for those six months out of the year and getting nothing in the off season. So some wow. guys would get jobs in the off season when they come home for six months, this was like a BS job just to get by. So it's really, they're severely underpaid. That's the first problem. Second problem is like the food is so terrible because you're playing in towns that are like <laughs> cities you'd never want to go to. No offense to Clinton, Iowa, but like <laughs> that's the worst city I've ever been to in my life. So that's what one of my home cities that I had to play in. It's just, okay. um, you know, and you're, you're expected to perform. Mm -hmm. So let's say you leave, you know, the, the last day of a game is, you know, you get out of there, out of the stadium at like 11 p.m. You take an overnight bus trip to the next place. You get in at three or four in the morning. You go to sleep for a few hours. Then you got to go to the field and you're expected to be like, you got to perform every single night. You got to perform. So it's, it's just not ideal for high level athletes to be living like that, you know, and just terrible hotels and just, 
it's just a, it's a long road, man. It's just it's a long season, and you know by the time August comes around, everybody hates each other. If you're still on the same level and you haven't got moved up yet, everyone's bitter. It's, it's tough, man. So when yeah. you when like do you when you get moved up, do you get moved up like mid season or does it matter? Do yeah, you it can up? happen anytime. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's and exactly. So think about that. You either you get you like traded or moved up or down mid season. You got to figure out where you're going to live. You got to get out of your lease that you're currently in and whatever city you're in, all your cable bills and all that crap you got to get out of and find a new place to live in the new city. You don't know how long you're going to be there. There's just no job security really. So it's, oh my it's gosh, yeah, dude. it's hard. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like I said, <laughs> That baseball thing, you know, like I respect the heck out of it because I, I, I heard stories of the like people trying to, you know, growing up the ranks, but like it's a good, as I said, for me, it's a good lesson because it's like, man, yeah, you, you guys grind. Sure. And <clears throat> most guys hit every level too. So it's like one level per year almost. So that's why it takes guys four or five years to make it, unless you're a phenom or whatever, like a superstar, you get pushed through the system. But it, you really have to put your time in. That's, that's why people respect it when you get up there. Did you uh, did you play with any phenoms? Uh, yeah, I, a, a couple. Um, I'm sure. Let's see, a couple names you would probably know. I did play with Trevor Bauer in the minor leagues. The guy with the Dodgers. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know yeah, Trevor. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, obviously, we know he's got some off the field issues right now. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Uh, he was good to me. He was he's a cool guy. You know, he was kind of on his own program, just the mm. way he was. And he was he was number three overall pick. So UCLA guy. But he, um, so he wasn't he wasn't in like you know that level that long he was like okay yeah he didn't stick around in double a very long yeah exactly. no, no, he just but saw, that's oh. another exactly yeah so I, there was a couple other guys but that's another thing if you're a first round pick the organization is likely to push you through the system because they drafted you there and their ass is on the line because they took you so high so there's a whole other political side of baseball too that people don't really you know hear about that much okay so like okay. for me once i started getting traded i'm no longer like when i got drafted by the seattle i was one of their guys that was one of their top round guys so they had incentive to move me up because they drafted me once i got traded to pittsburgh i was just another guy for them and they have their own draft class that they need to push through the system so there's that whole side too oh okay see yeah. that's i never i never knew that you know that side of baseball yeah i think it's like you know that's a, you know, that's a heck of advice for future baseball players, to be honest. Like you just know the ins and outs of, of the whole thing. You know, it's, it's weird when it comes to that, because like in Europe, but European basketball is kind of the same thing. Um, the coach wants his guys in. So if a coach gets released or let go and they bring in another coach, like you're probably going to get released as an American, unless you have like an ironclad guaranteed contract. Right. Because that coach is one of going to bring guys. He knows exactly. He, he can bring, you know what I'm saying? Like I had that happen uh, in Romania where like, you know, they had a coach and then the coach uh, left and then, uh, or whatever happened. And then they, another coach came in and started bringing in his own guys that he was, you know, he knew and wanted to bring in. So like the Americans, you know, oh, all right. See you. We're gonna bring in this European guy, you know. Yeah, it was like one no. That's one, I know one, you one like to, to ask about like what lessons did you learn? You learn in the minors that you can only control what you can control because even if you play well, that doesn't mean you're getting moved up in the system. It's whoever they want to move up in the system. So you could be outperforming all their top prospects. It doesn't matter. They are going to make decisions based on whoever they want to pull up. It has no effect on. You have to out if you're not one of the main guys, you have to outperform the the team so much that you like force them to move you up, you know? <laughs> so that's a whole nother side of the game that a lot of guys' careers get stopped because they're not a priority person in the organization. Wow. See, so never knew that, man. Yeah, you know, that's a hard part too. Yeah, gosh. So okay, so how many years would you first of all? Uh how many years did you go play uh, professional baseball? Yeah, and seven second, years. Oh, okay. Sorry. You know, the second was like, uh, what's the highest level you got to? So I played seven years in the minors. Um, I got to AAA, so right below the big leagues. I played one year um, in Reno, Nevada. That was AAA for the Diamondbacks at the time. Uh, I think it might still be, but that was the highest I got. Um, and I played one year of independent ball, which is like a feeding a pool of players in a league trying to get back to major league baseball. So I did mm -hmm. one year of that also before I retired, but um, I did get one big league spring training. So that was kind of a highlight of my career. I got the, uh, I had a chance to make the club with the Diamondbacks, the big league club out of spring training. So that was cool. 
Um, but outside of that, yeah, I got I got close, but never got the call. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, look, you know, like the fact <laughs> that you got it to, yeah. to the spring league, that's a lot of people can't say that. Right, yeah. You know, and the fact that you did, you played seven years in that AAA system and you got to AAA, you know. Yeah. So seeing the farm In the system, minors, yeah. Yeah, and then got to AAAs, that's yeah. incredible, you know. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't, you know, they don't make it, they don't make it like that. The minor leagues are designed to like weed people out, you know. It's like... You, the numbers get smaller as you go up, you know? So it's, it, they do that on purpose, man. It's just, it's crazy. It's okay. crazy how it works. No. Okay. Yeah. So what would be your, you know, if uh, somebody, you know, youth was coming into professional baseball, what would be your, what would be your best advice uh, for them? Yeah. I think same thing. One of them earlier, what I said earlier, like control, what you control, you can't move yourself up. You'll never be able to figure out what the decisions are with the rosters or like we used to say, like, don't play the GM, like don't try to be the GM of the team. Cause you will never just like, you'll see guys getting moved up and you're like, why is he going up? Wait, but this guy's coming down. Like, what does that mean? This guy got hurt. It's just, you cannot figure it all out. You never mm-hmm. will. Mm-hmm. So as best you can focus on yourself, just, you know, obviously work hard and you learn, you also have to learn like, no one is going to care more about your career than you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like in college, you got coaches helping you, you know, you got tutors, you got, you know, study hall, you got coaches trying to make sure you go to class. When you get to pro ball, your career is in your own hands, dude. It is all on you. So yeah, I, yeah, you yeah. need to, you mature quickly because no one cares about your career when there's hundreds of guys trying to do the same thing you are, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. No, I got you. Yeah. So when did you know when to hang it up? Good question. Uh, after I played, I, I I got released by the Diamondbacks 2014 out of spring training. So I was like, mm-hmm. should I play? Whatever. I was still in like playing shape. I was ready to go. So I decided to play independent ball. Mm-hmm. And I kind of told myself, if I don't get signed back to Major League Baseball, that's going to be it for me. Because okay. um, I know we talked about this pre-show, but I, I'm not going to be a baseball lifer. I'm not going to play independent ball until I'm 40 years old, <laughs> just making peanuts for the next, you know, every six months. It just, I don't, I like the game, but I don't love it that much to, to never let it go. Like to me, that's not worth hanging on. Um, I don't enjoy making no money to, to put my body through that every single year. So, um, yeah, no, no, that's, was, yeah, that's, that's a good, no, man. I would say to man, that's crazy because I felt that same way towards the end of my professional career overseas, the contracts wasn't as much as I wanted. Right. And I was like, man, you know, like this amount of money, I can go back to the States at least be around my son and my family, you know, like, yeah, where just, I don't want to just keep doing this just to say like, I'm a professional athlete, you know, without the money. Yeah. Part of it is, you know, the financial stability of it, but once the financial stability isn't there as much like, yeah, it's cool to be say in Europe, in Germany or whatever, but if you're making peanuts, like you said. And like, you're kind of pro, you're kind of just like, uh, uh, avoiding reality of getting into real life, which a lot of athletes, as you know, struggle with, right? Like nobody wants to make that transition to the real world. No one does, but you're kind of just prolonging it. If you're just hanging around for not, you know what I mean? I was ready to move on and get and just start my regular life. Even though it sucks, I didn't want to, but I'm not just going to hang in there for nothing. Like, (laughs) you know, you got to move on at some point. And I was realistic about it. So that's why I decided to give it up after that. Okay. So what was your, what was, you know, what was your transition, you know, from being a pro athlete to regular life? Yeah. I don't have the, the most, uh, my resume is all over the place as far as jobs go. So I actually, toward the end of my baseball career, I kind of want, I had the idea of becoming a franchisee of like a restaurant. So I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. I'm passionate about it. It'd be fun to run my own business, but have like the structure of a franchise. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I used to get the sandwich place, Jimmy John's delivered to, they would deliver if they were in town to our clubhouse, like in the cities we were playing. And I was like, this is awesome. No one else does this. They were delivering sandwiches. So I had heard that they were coming out to California and starting to build a bunch of locations. So my cousin and I, I was, my career was winding down. I was like, Hey, you're a big fan of Jimmy John's. Are you interested in doing this or whatever? We both kind of were just started talking about it. Long story short, about a year later, we became franchisees and owned and operated a sandwich restaurant in a, a Jimmy John's. It was out in Norco, California. So, okay, okay. Um, so it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. You know, running a business, hiring employees, firing employees. You know, you're you're counting on eighteen to twenty or two year old kids to run the show. Like it's not their first priority. It's just their job. 
it was it was really hard, man. And dealing with, you know, the franchise is good because they have the structure and the business plan for you every single day what to do. But it's bad because they control everything that you do. How long you're open, you know, all the, like how many employees you're supposed to have in at one time. Uh, all the, like the vendors, you can't change the menu. You can't change the people you order from. It's all these things. So it's good and bad. Um, and it was an unknown name. I tell people all the time, it's not like I opened up an In-N-Out or a Starbucks. I opened up a brand that nobody in California had ever heard of before. So it was, it was difficult, great experience, but it was, it was really hard. So we ended up selling it, which was, thank God we did. Cause it, it just, you know, right. It was before the pandemic started. So it was oh, happy. Yeah, oh dude, yeah. that would have been, we would have lost our ass if we were still in there. So no, imagine that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Man, you know? So I did that for three years. Then I got into solar after that. So I did start doing residential solar panel sales, still doing that. Um, but I'm trying to get into sports media, you know, anyway now, but, um, but anyway, that's what I did right after baseball. So I kind of just went from playing baseball to owning a business right away. So it was tough. Yeah. No, no. Like I said, uh, that's amazing. The fact that you even had a, you know, got a business to own. So that's, you know, yeah. You know, how many cool. people, how many people can say like they own the Jimmy Johns? You know? Yeah, exactly. You know, so like that's, that's actually really, really cool. Yeah. You now know? I just, now I'm glad I don't have to have, like when I turn like 50, I'm not going to have a midlife crisis. Like, Oh, I need to own a bar or a restaurant. <laughs> like, no. And by the way, if you get that urge, I'm going to tell you, no. <laughs> don't worry don't, don't i'm gonna do talk it. to you don't do I'm it talk to you i'm it's like so man, it's, hard it's yeah. so hard because it's just there's a lot of stuff that it's just like if you especially if you do franchising like for instance it we did it was a sandwich it's a lunchtime business you're not making any money after three o'clock the rest of the night like no one's coming in for dinner to get cold sandwiches you know so but they'd make us stay open until 9 p.m and I'm like, dude, we're not making any money. We're just burning through labor right now and making zero money. So it's like, you can't control that. So that's the downside of franchising is they just, they control everything. So people wasn't coming in like they do Subway like at seven o'clock. But see, or... Subway and Jersey Mike's have hot sandwiches or they can ah. toast them. Jimmy John's is all cold sandwiches. So literally people would walk in sometimes but they never heard of us. And they're like, oh, do you have hot sandwiches? And like, no. They're like, okay, thanks. And they would leave. Like, <laughs> like, dude. So apparently hot sandwiches is a big deal for people. Okay. okay. So, yeah. 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 We didn't have like meatball. We didn't have like, you know, we couldn't toast anything. So it was a simple limited menu. And like I said, it's a lunchtime business at that point. So it's just hard to make money. I got you. Well, like I said, yeah. you know, so now you're doing solo and now you come yeah. into social media. Yeah. It's the yeah. same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah. How long have you been doing the social media thing for? Like, well, it's, I'm trying to, it was meant like sports media, stuff like that. So I'm trying to like either. Yeah. That's, know, what, maybe, I, that's what I meant. That's yeah. What I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah, the whole content creation thing, podcasting. I've been doing that for about a year and a half now. So I kind of just got the urge during the pandemic, like a lot of people to start a podcast, you know, and I have a network from baseball of people that I knew. So I started with that. And then now I've been growing to people I've never met before and reaching out, you know, on LinkedIn and messaging people and saying, hey, you want to come on, on the show? And it's been great. Like that part has been great. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm just networking, but also getting my reps in to possibly do broadcasting or radio or tv or something like that so i'm kind of trying to use this to get to that point hopefully soon yeah no same same yeah you know? <laughs> yeah so all right well i got i got the last big question of what we always uh end the show with um pretty much uh you know at some point you know uh in your career playing professional college high school whatever the case is you know, uh, we all get to low points in our, you know, in our life. Right. And, you know, after you finish, you know, this is just my story. Like it was, you know, low points where, um, I just didn't know what direction I needed to go to because basketball was my life from seven years old to 33. And so I was just like, what is next? I have no idea. I have a three-year-old son, you know, so I was just really frustrated, just had to figure out what the heck I was going to do. So my question for you is kind of the same thing after you, you know, was that your lowest point of your career? How did you get out of it? And what did you do to get out of it? So I would say during my baseball career, I had one bad year where I was my first year in double A. And for me, it's, everybody feels a different jump in talent, like at different times. So a lot of people say it's triple A to the big leagues, which is like the natural answer or double A to triple A. But for me, it was from high A to double A. That was like, remember I told you in college, everybody's good. This was in double A where everyone's really good. And like <laughs> everyone's a prospect. Once you get to double A, you have a chance to get to the big leagues. That means you're kind of right there because guys get called up directly from there sometimes too. And they okay. skip triple A. 
Okay. So a lot okay. of people had their young prospects in double A. And for, for whatever reason, I struggled my first year in double A. And that's why I had to go back the following year. But there was a point where I, I was like, I, <laughs> I can't get anybody out. You know, <laughs> like it was, and it was just really difficult. Um, and I started talking to a sports psychologist and I, I think like the whole, I did some therapy stuff too. Like that really helped me mentally kind of deal with all the stuff that I was going through too just because sometimes you don't have all the answers and like your family's supportive, but, but like they, they're not professionally trained. They, they don't know what to say and they're biased because mm -hmm. they're your family. So if you see, if you finally, I highly recommend therapy or, or a sports psychologist for anybody out there, because it helped me out a lot. Like it's just, it, it's someone that's unbiased that doesn't know you, that gives you a perspective just from the outside looking in that can just help you deal with, or have give you the tools to deal with all the negative thoughts that you might have uh, or the self doubt all that. So I came back the next year and it was one of my best years. So, and, and that's when I got to triple A, but yeah, that was the first time in my life where I really felt like I was overmatched in baseball. And I've, I haven't really felt that before. Um, so that was really hard to deal with mentally. Cause it's, it's, you feel, you know, they say like, you feel naked out there. <laughs> you feel like whatever you're throwing is just getting crushed. And it's like, I, I, how do I do this anymore? So it, it's a, it was hard to deal with that. So, um, but yeah, so that's, uh, yeah, definitely get help from ask for help. No, no, yeah. I definitely agree with you on that. You know, I think it's big for, uh, for athletes, former current to get that special help because it's like, uh, you live in a different world as an athlete, just period. I think everybody, everybody who has been an athlete, especially if they've been successful athlete, they know yeah. what it is. They know about that different life. They know how different people treat you. And sometimes you, not saying you can't handle it, but like you don't know how to handle it when you get to certain uh, adversities. Yeah. And you're just like, man, what the, you know, I need help. You know, it's like a you're in geometry or algebra two or trigonometry. Like, dude, what is, I don't get it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> help, help, you know? So I definitely understand you on that. Yeah. You know, for me, it, it, necess it that wasn't necessarily, I felt that way in college more, more than anything. I felt like I can play, but I just felt like I wasn't getting the right opportunity, but also seeing how different college was from high school. Uh, high school, you might go against, you know, one or two guys that are your level, you know. Uh, you know, like for me, it was a little different because we had more, we had more talent in California. So it was like, you know, every second or third game. I was yeah, you're used to playing against good, good yeah, players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like in college, it just was like, you know, like, for, you know, it's like, you know, UCLA, my first year we played, North Carolina with Vince Carter. I told you a story. And that's why Jamie, so we played uh, Arizona with Mike Bibby, Jason Terry. We played Stanford with uh, Mark Manson. We played Kentucky, you know, with Jamal McGlure and Nazi Muhammad. And, um, you know, like it was like UCLA, you, every game you're playing a pro. And not only a pro, but a pro who had like five, 10 year careers. Yeah. Uh, some teams more, you know? Um, so like, it was just like, of like wow okay like this is a whole new level freshman year was like a whole new level of like yeah you know like like wow <laughs> it's a lot so, to get thrown into and there's expectations yes. when you get there too like you're supposed to be really good especially if you're you know a top prospect or whatever if you're a top recruit like you're supposed to come in and dominate so. yes yes you know and so like for ucla who played all these top schools it's just like it was just a, a great it was a great and terrible uh transition for myself sure. that freshman year so yeah you know, but definitely, um, definitely like worth, you know, worth the journey, you know? And like I said, your journey, your story, Brett, man, like I never knew a lot of stuff that you talked to me about or talked to sure. everybody about, about baseball, man. You know, like it was always, baseball was always one of those things I, I played until about high school. And then like my dad was like, okay, focus on basketball. You know, bas baseball is not going to be it. And I'm like, dad, you don't know. I could make it to the, you know, <laughs> major league baseball. You don't know, but he was like, nope. Basketball is your sport, you know, because he didn't play baseball. He played basketball. So that's what he knew. So he was going to make you play sure. basketball. So. Yeah. Baseball is really hard, too. And it's just kind of a mysterious. That's another reason why I started the podcast is just kind of to shed some light on how difficult it is to make it in that in baseball. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's really hard, man. Like there's so many levels to get through. That's the grind is, is when you finally get there. So no, no, I, I get it. Well, like dudes be signing these 12 year, 13 year, 
deals. I'm like, dude, I just spent six years in the minors. I wasn't making nothing. Exactly. You know, uh, so I, I can imagine like, oh yeah, I'm about to sign with whoever for the 10 years. Right. Year. Those guys are the, you know, the, the Mike Trouts of the world. Like those are the, the one percenters, but yeah, part of yeah. this lockout right now is trying to help younger guys or lesser, you know, quality guys getting paid sooner because MLB teams have your free agency rights for seven years. So they completely hold all the cards to your career. That's what I'm saying. There's so much out of your hands in baseball and in all sports, but like, especially baseball, man, you just have no control except for what you do on the field. No, agreed. Agreed with that. It's the same with basketball. If you're a first yeah. round pick, yeah, but like, like a Zion or Anthony Davis, you, you're basically stuck for seven years. Exactly. Because, yeah. Because you, you do your first contract and then nobody turns down the second contract because it's the most money they ever made. Right. You know, it um, is definitely like skewed for you to stay with the team that. you Yeah. Have, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. No, no. Basically, you have to do seven years. You have to do seven years. Right. And uh, that's the minimum. Sometimes eight, you know, just depends. And then by if you notice by like your sixth or seventh year, like an Anthony Davis, you're like, trade me. Get me yes. out of here. Get we're not me a championship team, man. Yeah, like, we're not I, good. Yeah. yeah. So that's how that's how it kind of goes. Where in Europe is just like a year to year thing, unless you're really good. Then they'll sign you for a couple of years. Sure. Um, they, they they have the rights for the, their young European guys, but as Americans, it's it's like a meat market because they can bring you in, you don't play good, cut you, fly out, bring the next guy in, bring you in, fly in, like it's, that's the meat market. It's just straight right. like assembly line. And it's all luck what organization you go to, you know, like you don't get to choose where you get to play. No, no, so you no. hopefully go, hopefully fall in the draft a little bit and go to a better team, honestly. No, no, like, really, really. So that's that's like the biggest thing. Yeah. But but you know what, Brad? We'll say thank you for coming on the show, man. Greatly appreciate it. Gotta have you on again so we can talk more baseball stuff with you. <laughs> sure, man. I appreciate it. It's great to be here. Thank you uh, for having me on as always. And you know, it's awesome to have you on my show as well. So thank yep. you very much for that. Please share your share, you know, obviously be share everything that your social media, yeah. Too Tall Podcast, everything. Yeah, so it's uh, you can just follow me on Instagram at Too Tall Sports Podcast on Twitter. It's at Too Tall Sports. Um, on YouTube, so I post my episodes on YouTube and Spotify, Apple, everywhere uh, for the audio stuff. So just just type in Too Tall Sports Podcast, you'll find me. I'm on TikTok for the youngins out there. So uh, I do a lot of fun videos on there, like green screen videos, stuff like that, just kind of storytelling. So I'm getting more into that content creation stuff too, not just podcasting. So just type in Too Tall Sports Podcast, you'll find me. No, definitely, definitely. You can, you can find me uh, at, at Travis W. Reed on Instagram and Travis W. Reed on Facebook as well. You got the Athlete's Journey uh, on the on the Believe Never Look Along With, uh, Believe in UCLA. Uh, both shows can be found on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. All right, thank you, Brett. We appreciate it. And we'll be seeing you guys next week. Thank you. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube